five key things there to stop doing as a business owner. They'll free up your time if you can stop doing those things. You'll have more energy and resources so that you can be more productive in your business, more profitable, more focused on the things that really matter for the success of your business. Welcome back to the Business Behind Your Business podcast, where we have the conversations to help your business grow and thrive. I'm Paul Swinney, your host. I hope you've enjoyed some of our recent conversations where we've been bringing some case studies of business owners to you. We've got a few more of those lined up in the coming months, so we're really looking forward to sharing those with you. But look, at any time, if you've got anything you want us to talk about, any particular topics you want us to raise, then reach out to us at podcast at thebusinessbehindyourbusiness.com, and we'll be sure to include that in an upcoming episode. So, um, look, I'm an accountant, I'm a business advisor, and it's that time of the year, and I know particularly in the Northern Hemisphere in the US, it is tax time and these guys are busy over there, like flat out with the deadlines you've got. But in Australia, we've got this different time period, so we're beginning a new calendar year. And one of the first things that came across my desk early in the year was this list of five things that accountants should stop doing. And I thought that was a great way of looking at things not to do in the new year. We're often talking about things to do or things we should start doing and resolutions about what we're going to do better this year. But I think this whole idea of saying no to things or stop doing things is a great idea. And look, I've taken those five things and I've changed them slightly and I've taken away one or two that were very accountant specific and I've added in one extra bonus one. So why are we concerned about stopping things and not saying yes all the time. Well, the thing is, a lot of small business owners are working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 12 months a year. It's almost like a badge of honor. When I talk to business owners when I'm away or on the weekends or any time in my business, it's a badge of honor they wear. Every business owner, they virtually all say the same thing to me. And they say, I'm always working I'm always working on my business or I'm always working in my business. And sometimes it's very hard or almost impossible to disengage from your business and particularly when so much of it revolves around you personally. But you don't need to do that. You don't need to do everything yourself every day, every week. And part of what I encourage my clients to do when I'm advising them is to design a business that is not dependent on them, that is not a job. Um, designing a business where you can scale it and grow it. But when you look at the way your business is designed, you come back to that idea that you are the the most important the resource that your business has. In, in most cases, you take you out of that business, that business doesn't survive. Something happens to you and you are not able to function in that business, often that business doesn't survive. So we need to take care of ourselves as business owners. Make sure we have breaks. Make sure we... Uh, yeah, re-energize and just keep filling that cup and refilling that source of energy so that you can give to your business, but make sure you're not captive to your business. So five things, let's let's run through them. So the first one I want to deal with is do not waste time with bad clients or customers. And when I say bad, I don't necessarily mean they're bad people, but they are not the right customer or client for you. So do not waste time with them because the time you're spending with those clients you're not spending on the clients that are growing your business or the customers that are growing your business and more profitable. Now, what do we mean by a bad client? They might be people that, you know, they're needy or they're difficult to deal with or they have a lot of extra requests or they just don't work well with you. And sometimes their expectations about what you're going to deliver are very different to what your method of delivering is. So there are problems there and 
you are not going to be able to resolve that with some people. Yes, you need to be very clear up front about what you are going to deliver and what is specifically excluded. And that avoids a lot of this confusion about people having higher expectations about your service or your delivery. But what are those people look like? Now, like I said, they might not be bad people. For our business, as accountants, we like to work with business owners. Now, a lot of accountants will just take every client. Uh, it used to be a saying that any client is a good client as long as they have a pulse and a checkbook. Now, you know, things have changed quite considerably since then, and we tend to specialize. So we specialize in business clients. We want to help business clients grow and prosper. We want to work with them, and we want to devote our energy and resources to business clients. So as a result, we no longer work for wage and salary owner tax returns. We no longer work for individual tax returns that do not attach to a business. And the reason is that that takes away our energy and resources from the clients where we provide the most value, where we get the most joy, where we can contribute the most to our clients and they value us more because of what we do. So for us, we've made the decision it's not worth doing the work for those individual clients that don't have businesses, not that they're bad people in themselves, but that's a way that we have chosen to focus on what we can deliver and who we want to deliver it to. Now, the other side of that is you might have some difficult people who continually ask for more than what the price that you've agreed encompasses. Now, if that's the case, you need to take a firm stance there and say, well, this is what is included for the price. If you want those additional services, if you want that additional advice, if you want that additional product, that will come at an extra charge. Okay, And if they resist paying for those extra charges, don't supply them. Don't supply those extra services. Don't give away things for free. Don't keep bundling up more and more to keep the value because you end up, at the end of the day, you end up losing. They're unprofitable to keep and you'd be better off cutting ties with them and working on the, the customers and clients that you have that are profitable and that you enjoy working with. So don't spend time with bad customers. Slightly different approach, but don't check your email all the time. In fact, don't check your email constantly. Um, business owners spend a staggering amount of their time looking at their email or responding to their emails. So some of the stats are quite horrendous. It's argued that accountants, and look, we're pretty bad at this as an industry, spend about 28% of their time in their inbox, in their emails. That consumes a lot of the time. So that's a lot of time that they're not available for actually producing work. So part of the issue is that an email is a means of getting in touch with you, to convey some information, to supply information, or to ask a request. But a lot of people are using that now as an expectation that they need an instant reply. And, and as soon as you stop what you're doing and go and start and reply to something else, you've lost your train of thought. You have to pick up where you're at again. It also means that you're constantly being interrupted and have less time to effectively work on the bigger tasks, okay, to effectively work on tasks that you have or the projects that you are developing or that area. So it's very easy to spend too much time in your email. We have a suggestion that we only look at it three times a day 
And a lot of business owners subscribe to that only three times a day so that you are focused on where you're spending your time. The system we use in our office uh, allows us to triage our emails. So we'll look at them at those designated times during the day and we'll add them to a piece of work that we're working on or we will clear it from our triage straight away. We've dealt with it. It's only taken a matter of seconds. We're thinking about David Allen's two-minute rule there. Or we might allocate that or assign that to the person working on that particular task. So rather than me forwarding it or you know having a meeting with them about it, it's attached to the workflow. And when they go back to that workflow, all the communications are there in one spot. We don't have this constant interruption from email during the day. And our efficiency has really increased by doing that. Part of that is you need to educate who you're dealing with. If they have an expectation that you're going to respond to the email straight away, you need to actually manage that expectation and say, hey, look, we don't actually respond to emails instantly. We check the emails three times a day and we'll respond to you in due course. So that's one of the things that wastes a lot of time. So email is a terrible waste of time. It is an intrusion, disruption. But I think part of it is that We want to be engaged. We want to respond to people. We want to be helpful. We want to say yes. And we're talking about saying no, but a lot of times we say yes to things that we shouldn't or yes to stuff that's not critical. So sometimes we'll be consumed by somebody else's sense of urgency. And this is where email is one of those big time wasters is that somebody else's sense of urgency is impinging on how you operate your day, how you manage your time, how you plan your business. So if you manage your email well, then you're not going to be responding to their sense of urgency. You're going to be able to plan your day better. And a lot of the time it's saying yes to things that are needed straight away or yes to things that you shouldn't be responding to. Somebody else should be doing that work or somebody else should be handling that query or really you should be saying no straight away. Can you do this? Uh, No, we can't. That's not an area that we actually work in. You should seek advice from this person or if you go to this vet, this shop, they'll be able to sell that product to you. We don't stock it. I've got one, come across this quite regularly actually and I'm thinking of a particular wholesaler where one of the sales reps would say yes to a lot of product requests just to get a bigger sale. But what that meant was that they would then order stock from a non-standard supplier. And of course, there'd be small orders and extra freight charges, etc. And also the quantities that they needed to purchase were like 10, 20, 30, but they only needed to supply one. So what ends up happening is we've got the shelves being filled with a lot of stock items where there's no demand. It's not part of the the normal product line for the business and it's consumed cash, it's consuming space on the shelves and it's not being sold or marketed or you have to spend time marketing stuff that is not your core business. So we've got to be careful about saying yes to things that are not part of our business. I've just had a a phone call recently from uh, somebody in my network asking us to do an individual tax return. Now, it's very tempting to say yes because I want to help them and I want to help do work with their business, but sticking to that idea of who are our core clients or what are the core products we deliver wasn't inside that mandate. It was outside. It was something that we have made a decision not to do as a service. So I've said no. And when I've said, look, this is why we're not going to do it, um, 
very well received, actually. So, you know, just sometimes we fear that if we say yes, we're going to upset or cause offence. And maybe that might be the case in some cases, but on the majority, you need to say no. If you're operating as a professional, if you're operating as a business, as a business owner, you need to know what you what your business is about and what it's not about and stop saying yes to those things which are outside your core business. One of the things we see a lot is keeping knowledge to yourself. So do not keep knowledge to yourself. And we've talked a lot about it on the podcast. We had a number of guests on talking about the need for developing processes and standard procedures so that your team can um, do the tasks they're employed to or engaged to do and that they're not constantly relying on you. So they're not constantly relying on you as the business owner. And that means that if they're not relying on you, you can be absent from the business and the business can continue to operate the way it should. They're not depending on you for the knowledge about which supplier to contact or where to purchase things for or what to do if a customer rings up with this issue. So if you have all that knowledge in your own head, your business can't function. It's captive to you being there. But if we can free up your business by removing you from a lot of those tasks and obligation and processes and get that knowledge out of your head, then your business is going to thrive. Your business is going to be able to scale. It won't be able to scale if you are the only person in the business that knows the processes from start to finish. So if you want to boost the efficiency of your business, if you want to grow your business, your team needs to know exactly what to do, how to do things without needing to ask you for help. So you need to get those processes in. So stop keeping all the knowledge of your business to yourself. My last one of the five things to stop doing in your business is mixing your personal and business expenses. Now, this is a bit of an accountant's bugbear here, but it makes perfect sense. You need to keep your business separate. There's record-keeping obligations and separate business accounts and tax returns. That makes sense. But also make sure that your finance, your business and personal finances are separate so you know where the lines are. Okay, you don't have to go trawling through your credit cards and business accounts and personal accounts to find all your expenses. All your business expenses are in one place, all your personals in one place. They're not mixed. And the bonus feature here is stop doing manual record keeping of your expenses and your invoices. Use an app. There's plenty of them out there where you can automatically send your purchase invoices to a system. The AI is there to you know, generate the purchase transaction from the data on that invoice or the receipt. You can take pictures on your phone to do that, of receipts, make sure it happens. It's all automatically read by the software, filed into your accounting system with the copies of the invoices in a digital format that meets ETO requirements. All your bookkeeping records and financial records are a lot more efficient. And you can go back to the individual invoice quickly by tracing through your accounting entries. So much more efficient, so much more efficient. And you've got a very clear picture of exactly where you're at. So I highly recommend that you stop mixing your personal and business expenses. So very quickly, five key things there to stop doing as a business owner. They'll free up your time if you can stop doing those things. You'll have more energy and resources so that you can be more productive in your business, more profitable, more focused on the things that really matter for the success of your business. And look, doing those things, saying no and being more profitable, being more productive, that's going to give you a huge boost along 
that path of achieving those things in your business, achieving those goals that you set out for when you started your business, about enjoying those things that really matter the most to you. And because that's why you started your business in the first place. So if we can help you further along that track of meeting those goals, then that's a great thing. So look, thanks for listening. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, please keep listening and please share this episode and the podcast in general with somebody that would be able to benefit from it. That's how we can get the word out and help more business owners. If you're listening for the first time, it's great to have you with us. Like I said, we always like to bring these conversations to you where we share our experience, our tips, case studies, more things to help you run a great business. So keep listening and make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast player application or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can always go to the website, uh, www.thebusinessbehindyourbusiness.com for more resources. And at any time, if you have a question or you'd like a question to be answered on an upcoming episode, reach out to us at podcast at thebusinessbehindyourbusiness.com. And we look forward to hearing from you and uh, sharing another episode with you shortly. 